0: and welcome to another edition of Friday Finds for October 6th, 2023. I'm Lynn Schneider, and I thank you so much for joining me today. So I wanted to start off today by talking about an event that occurred in the United States this week on Wednesday concerning a test that's done every three years by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, And it's in cooperation with the FCC, the cell phone carriers, all the broadcast, all the communication systems, basically, the public um, communication systems in the United States. And everyone was, I think, given fair warning about it. So we all sort of knew that it was coming. I forgot about it. So it did scare me to death. I was reading my email. Almost dropped my phone because it's like super loud and obnoxious. And it only lasted, you know, for a few seconds. So it wasn't like horrible. But I saw an opinion piece on CNN that I thought was interesting. And it really talked about the challenges of doing widespread public alerts nowadays. You have, you know, in the old days, I remember the emergency broadcast system as a kid. And It was always a test, of course. And we were, most of us, I guess, were watching TV or listening to radio. So it was easier for local officials or governments to get alerts out to people. Now it's a little more challenging just because we're not necessarily listening to our TV sets or our radios anymore. A lot of us are Surfing the web, we have internet streaming, we have things like, you know, Spotify or Netflix or whatever. So we're not, we're sort of more fragmented in terms of the kinds of technologies that could be used to send out alerts. So there's quite a bit of cooperation between carrier, phone carriers, um, and broadcasters and internet providers. And so this test was basically to see how the system would work in real time and whether any changes needed to be made in how things were done. The piece was written by Kara Alimo, who is a communications professor. And she talks about the pros and cons of this system. And she rightly points out that Many of us nowadays are used to constantly being pinged and alerted by our phones for everything from social media to package deliveries to whatever else. So the idea of constantly being alerted is not something that most of us are unfamiliar with. Also, the test was widely discussed days ahead in the media. So I think most of us were not super surprised when it happened. And this particular widespread test is only done every three years. But one of the concerns that the author points out here is that there are people who have cell phones that are considered secret. They don't want people to know they have them. One of the examples she gave here is for people who are in abusive environments or abusive relationships where they personally feel threatened and feel like they need an emergency network to get in contact with if things go very wrong and they feel like their lives are in danger in some way. So they really don't want the people around them to know, especially their abusers, that they have this secret phone. And of course, when you have this ridiculously, hideously loud tone that goes off, it would definitely alert someone that you had a phone. This is also a problem for undercover officers, undercover detectives, and police officers and such that have communication devices that they don't want people to know they have so and as the author points out we really do need systems like this we have lots of things happening we have extreme weather events you know new york was pretty much new york city was underwater last week and things like amber alerts we need we recently just had a kid that went missing from a campground and thank god she was found okay. But, you know, we we have domestic terrorism, all sorts of things where we really need national and regional and local alerts to go out efficiently and effectively to the people who really need them. And you may remember a situation that happened in Hawaii in 2018. The author talks about this, where Hawaiians were startled to find a ballistic missile alert on their communication devices. And of course it was a false alarm, but I think the state was sued, the state of Hawaii, because somebody had a heart attack when they saw that. So I don't know. I think here's the question in my mind. Um, Do we have the right to not get those alerts? it's my phone, do I have the right to say, I don't want to get these alerts? In the case of this test that happened Wednesday, there was no way to disable that alert. Even if you turned the alerts off in your phone, you would still get the alert. So I'd love to know what you think about this particular issue. So if you're watching tech trends lately, you may have seen how a lot of companies like Google and Microsoft are trying to incorporate AI into their product suites or their services through extensions that try to help you do things like plan your travel or compose an email or an essay or whatever. So essentially, they're just enhancing the services that they already provide using these AI tools. So I found an interesting piece on Futurism.com that I thought was sort of funny, but I think should also serve as somewhat of a cautionary tale. So New York Times columnist Kevin Roos was testing out the new Google extension, a Google Bard extension that Google hopes to incorporate into a lot of its products, like Gmail, Google Maps, YouTube, and Google Docs. So he was trying to use this extension as sort of an inbox assistant. So the first thing he did was to ask the extension or ask Google Bard to go through all of his sent emails, analyze them, and tell him what his biggest psychological issues were. So Google Bard goes to work, it's going through these emails, and it comes back with, I guess, an, an explanation and examples. And when he looked through the examples, they were totally hallucinated and made up. One of the examples that it came back with was basically a, it came from a newsletter that was sent to him, and a quote in the newsletter that it sort of mangled and misinterpreted. (laughs) And yeah, it was sort of a hot mess. It got airline information wrong. And it even hallucinated um, a train that didn't even exist. So yeah, it was sort of just making stuff up. And we know that models sometimes do this. I know that GPT and also being that they have done this with data, they, where they've just made stuff up. But, and Google says, you know, this is a work in progress. But I think it really is a cautionary tale that to incorporate these tools into otherwise pretty stable services is going to give people incorrect information and could really cause big problems and of course there's that the privacy concern of having this thing go through all of your emails and your personal data and then of course if it hallucinates emails that you actually didn't send that could really you know get people in some trouble so you know google says this is a work in progress but my advice would be to use these things at your own risk and just Be aware that you need to double check your data, you know, and just don't put too much trust in these things right now. Okay, so there's been a lot of talk lately and the actor strike and different people have talked about how their likenesses are being misused using a lot of the modern AI tools that are out there. Robin Williams' daughter, uh, recently I heard a a saw an article where she was saying that people were using her father's likeness and that that was very disrespectful. The family, you know, didn't appreciate that. But there is a pop star that you may or may not remember. His name is Howard Jones. He was big in the 80s. Some of the tunes you might recognize would be Things can only get better. I'd like to get to know you well. What is love? No one is to blame. I remember having several of these on 45 records back in the day. So, Howard Jones is currently on tour. He's 68. And according to his interview in Retro Pop, he says artists should embrace these new AI tools rather than. Just have negativity about them. He wants his voice to be used, he says, in a chorus. And he says he wants to keep making hits even after his death, which I find to be interesting. So, if you were to preserve your voice through AI, uh, after your death, people can use that voice to make hits, but then Who gets the credit? (laughs) Do you get the credit? Or, you know, how does that work? Because I imagine that even after you're deceased, even though you have this AI voice preserved, somebody has to come up with the songs. (laughs) It's just really strange. Um, I mean, wouldn't that sort of stink if you were, you're in the afterlife, maybe you're looking down from heaven or whatever, and you realize that somebody has a top 10 song that is your voice and you don't, you're not getting the credit for it. So I don't know. That's going to be very interesting. Um, I mean, in my crazy imagination that I tend to have, I can just see like a, an entire band of like deceased people singing and playing instruments and, you know, Wow. So with that, I think we'll wrap things up for this week. I do thank you very much for tuning in, for sharing, for liking. If you have any comments you'd like to leave for me, you can send me an email at feedback at fridayfinds.show. That's feedback at fridayfinds.show. We have a website at fridayfinds.show. We are also on Apple Podcasts, and we are a proud member of the IACast Network. I hope you have a great weekend and a great week ahead, and I will see you next time. Bye, guys.